Welcome to the latest episode of the Balls, Bats and Pucks podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Edwards, and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by ESPN baseball analyst and good friend of mine, Dan Zimborski. Dan, thanks so much for joining me once again. How's it going? It's going pretty well. We have, we have a little more time for, for until more baseball, but uh, until the baseball ends, it's pretty good. Hey, this is it now. We're, we're at the big one now. But before we get to that, I mean, obviously, everyone who's listening to the podcast knows I've been off having a bit of surgery and you know I, after my stint on a disabled list i've actually reactivated myself in time for the world series well i mean that's good but you you should have because it's your wrist you don't use your wrist to talk <laughs> no but i tell you what the, the amount of painkillers i've been on over the last few days has just been like absolutely incredible i mean and for anyone who's had any sort of surgery and been you know put to sleep General anesthetic is kind of weird because it's just like you're like, oh, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. Oh, okay. How did it, I get here? It might make the podcast more exciting, though, when, <laughs> when, there's, when there's, you know, opiates involved. <laughs> well, not quite, uh, not I mean, quite that it's, it's, it's very entertaining. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I brought my mom in for dental surgery. Uh, she, was, she, had, she was put under, and I come out with her. And it's actually like blood running down her chin. And she looks at the people in the waiting room and goes, Arr, I'm Dracula. Now, first, that makes no sense because, you know, Dracula doesn't sound like a pirate. No, no, not at all. If you're going to do it that way, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. But yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to wake up, though, after having surgery and kind of wonder where you are. And, and my wife was joking about it. She said, like, the first thing you asked for was a cup of tea. And I, I swear... In an hour and a half after surgery, I had four cups of tea and two cups of coffee. I I needed a drink. You were wired. <laughs> yeah. Wired is one way for it. I think that, to be honest with you, it was it was kind of weird. And I'm now just kind of like rehabbing. And apparently, it's been about it could be about three months. So I I will be ready for opening day, but I will not be able to swing a bat during the World Series. Uh, are you still getting service time? Uh, well, I hope so. I, I, I put in the time. I, I, I definitely think I should have my report card stamped. <laughs> <laughs> and, and before we get on to the World Series, I, I, I just want to mention this today, and I thought it was kind of funny, the fact that we're actually recording this episode on the 23rd of October. And for anyone who's listened to the podcast with Dan will know about his kind of rant in a way about iPod, iPods and all of that. Did you know today is National iPod Day? I didn't. Now, now I do, and I, 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 I mourn the loss of the iPod. <laughs> do you know what? It's like 16 years ago, apparently, that um, Apple released the iPod. So I'm a little bit disappointed in you, Dan, to be fair, because as it's the 16th birthday of the iPod, you know, it's become almost an adult now, we can almost say. Certainly over in the UK, you, become, you, know, you can do certain things at 16. So, you know, what are you going to do for your iPod today? It's his birthday. I, I, no, I, 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 I don't want to use it more than I have to because if you look on like Amazon or eBay, the, the used iPods cost a lot. So I can't, I don't want, I don't want to let this one to die because I'm not going to buy an iPhone just to use it as an iPod. Is it like one of those cases, like, you know, where people go and buy cars and all they do is kind of like, you know, clean them and everything else, but don't actually drive them? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it actually kind of sits in my car where, where it goes through the, the stereo system. Uh, I have, I mean, I have other, I have other, like, you know, music type things in the house. So it's, it's mostly for my car, but I do drive do you, at times. But 
you don't leave it in the car, surely, when you're not there. I mean, leaving it in the dark, it might feel neglected. No, well, it, it's a big, it's a big kid. It can, uh, <laughs> it, you can't, you can't, you know, coddle them forever. <laughs> and I've got two of those myself, and um, apparently they, they do actually need looking after and and trying to turn them into adults. But um, yeah, that's a a story for another day. But before we get onto the World Series, I, I do want to just touch on this because I mean, the Mets have found themselves a new manager, the Indians pitching coach, Mickey Callaway. What was your general impression on that move? I was a little confused that the Mets did something that I didn't hate. Uh, I, I kind of expected them to get a retread, like, like I don't know, to find Mike Hargrove for no reason. Just some random person that managed five different places and was never that great just because it's a known name. But Callaway's interesting. He was one of the best, uh, I guess, managerial prospects. In, in baseball, so it, it is a good ad for the Mets. I mean, you never know how a guy's going to work out until you actually see. But it's good to take a chance on someone who might be good rather than someone we know isn't. Uh, I'm thinking, of course, like you know, Ron Gardenhire uh, and the Tigers. Uh, so the Mets, I, I think they did the right thing. I'm I'm sure the Mets are going to do a lot of less good things this off season, but this this was good. This was a good idea, and and I'm they get full credit for it from me. Yeah, I, I kind of like the movie, to be honest with you. It's kind of like a bit outside-the-box thinking and trying to not to like bring in a new era of Mets baseball. That's not what I'm thinking. But just to get a guy, a guy in that actually does make a bit of sense. And hopefully he'll be able to try and help this Mets pitching staff in some way because it's been a, a bit of a train wreck over the last two or three years. So I think it's a good hire. We'll see how he pans out. I mean, for me, I did kind of want to see the back of Collins after the, the 2015 run because I just felt he'd taken the Mets far enough and was kind of bailed out, in my opinion, by a very hot Cespedes August and Daniel Murphy in the in the playoffs and still, to me, made managerial decisions that didn't particularly make much sense. But I kind of got hated by the rest of the Mets fan base for even suggesting the fact that the Mets should actually get rid of a manager that, t- that took you to a World Series. But, hey, that's me. I'm never satisfied. Hey, I, I think I'm playing about Collins for about the same amount of time also. So you're, you're not alone there. Uh, but but you, you look at Mickey Calloway. He is someone who does know analytics, and he's worked with his pictures with the analytics. Uh, and that's, that's, that's quite a stark change from Collins, who, who probably hasn't heard of StatCast and I'm not really sure has heard of on-base percentage. Uh, so it, it, it's quite a, a sea change. Uh, so, I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. It could, he could be a disaster, but you, you have to find that out. You try to find that great manager rather than take a retread. There's really no point taking a retread. No, I don't think in this case. So, yeah, I think we're both fairly optimistic about potentially what Callaway can actually bring to the Mets. But we're, we're not October now. The Mets are not around, so let's move on to something a bit more important and actually talk about the World Series. It does start tomorrow. The Houston Astros take on the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is still kind of weird to me because they played in the same division when I first started watching baseball. But hey, the Astros are back in the big one for the first time since 2005 when they were the National League champions, and the Dodgers are here for the first time since 1988 when Kirk Gibson hit that home run as I as I like to call it, and for me, that was the most memorable World Series moment I've ever had, despite being a Mets fan. But what has been your most memorable World Series moment in the time you've been watching baseball? Uh, I think uh, the Red Sox-Mets 1986, uh, games five and six, 
Uh, that was that was the first World Series. I was both old enough to really understand what was happening and also be allowed to stay up like all night until it ended. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I was eight at the time. And it, when you're eight, you really had to negotiate to get like, you know, an 11 o'clock bedtime. <laughs> uh, and I, I had just gotten cable in my room, uh, which, which was a pretty big deal when you're eight in the 80s. Mm. Uh, I mean, everyone has cable now, but um, yeah. So I was able to just watch it in my room. It was, it was really cool, and it was it was it was pretty exciting. I mean, Game Seven was kind of boring compared to Five and Six, but that that was that was those were some exciting moments. So those those are still the ones that hand hands down I, I think of the most. Uh, yeah. See, I mean, as a Mets fan, I suppose people might be a bit surprised I didn't actually mention that. But it's I think because it, it was like great games rather than like one moment that stood out um, in terms of the Kurt Gibson one, but. The 86 World Series is kind of interesting as well because that was the first World Series I ever watched. And funnily enough, um, over in the UK, that was actually shown as a highlights package on New Year's Day of 1987. And that's how I just just came across it um, by accident um, on New Year's Day and thought, you know, this is actually really interesting. And I started watching it and I actually started getting into baseball. And that was my, well... Just from then on, I've I've always been a baseball fan. Before that, I was like an NFL fan because that was the first thing I watched then. And then obviously we started to get the other American sports over here. But that was my first route into baseball. And I've been a, a Mets fan ever since. But I don't think Red Sox fans would kind of um, love me anymore if I did mention a Bill Buckner. But you're right about Game 7 because from what I remember Game 7, I think once um, Strawberry hit the home run in Game 7, that was pretty much done and dusted and it really didn't have the excitement of the games that really preceded it. Yeah, it wasn't as tense as, as, as five and six were. No, and it was almost a bit of an anti-climax on the back end of what was an, an incredible postseason because the, the, obviously the NLCS was incredibly exciting. Yeah. The ALCS was incredibly exciting. It was, most people regard it really as the great um, postseason of of that particular era and for anyone who hasn't seen it go back and watch it because yeah, that was a great was great postseason you know dave henderson you know mike scott nolan ryan it was there was a lot that was a pretty action-packed postseason uh i didn't i didn't really do any homework during that postseason but <laughs> in truth i never really did much homework anyway and you talk about like an eight-year-old and a kind of like having like cable in your room i mean I, for anyone who knows me i've got I've got two kids and my youngest is eight and kind of almost trying to go against the argument of him having a, um, a cell phone. You know, I was like, you want, you're eight. You want a cell phone? I, I didn't get a cell phone when I was eight. When, when, I, when, I, when I was a kid, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're about the same age. Uh, I'm yeah. a couple of years younger, I think. Um, it was actually to have a car phone was in like our elementary school was actually an expellable offense because only drug dealers use them. <laughs> so if you were caught with like a car phone, which they, which we called them at the time there, you know, the, the big chunky affair, you can actually get expelled from that. So it's kind of weird that everybody has like a cell phone now. Yeah. Including eight year olds. Apparently, according to my youngest, every eight year old has a cell phone, which I, I strongly beg to differ. But if that's the case, I will go to his school and, um, Oh, I totally would. Yeah. I, I, if I was an eight-year-old now, I totally would have one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would have complained. Not to my, son. Not, my family was always good at letting me have the electronic things I wanted. It kept <laughs> me out of trouble. Anyway, let, let's talk about this World Series. Um, 
I, I think it's a really uh, intriguing World Series on paper. And obviously, it wasn't the World Series that I predicted. I was going um, more from a, an Indians Cubs point of view, but that was soon put paid to, unfortunately. But I think we ha- do have what looks like it could be a really incredible World Series on paper. I think I did. I when I talked with you before the before the playoffs, did I say Houston and and Los Angeles? I'm kind of hoping I did. I don't actually remember if I did. I, I uh, think you said Los Angeles, but I don't think you said Houston. I would have to go back and check the details. Yeah, I'm looking up uh, like ESPN playoff predictions <laughs> baseball to see what what do I listed on that page. Uh, oh, there's too many things of lists of predictions. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I see. I'm curious now because you know there's kind of that uh, I guess the Dunning Kruger effect. I believe you believe that you were right and competent, but you might not have been. Yeah. So I'm just looking for now for things I had sent uh, one of the editors of ESPN for uh, you know the roundtable that said what your that said uh, yeah what what the orders were. I'm trying to think. I guess I would have submitted it like the day before the playoffs started. Not just, I just kind of want to know. I mean, I didn't pick this at the start of the season. The start of the season, I think I picked Cubs-Red Sox with Dodgers and Astros as the next most likely of each. But uh, I'm trying to figure out what I picked, you know, two weeks, three weeks ago. I, I think like, that the Astros are a really interesting story. Um, and it's, it's certainly a team that I would like to see win the World Series. But I think the Dodgers, for me, were one of the teams that I felt would be one of the, the contenders out of the National League because I was never buying into Washington for me it was always going to come down to the the Cubs or the Dodgers in the in the National League and I felt it would be the uh, the Indians over in the in the American League so it is quite interesting to think about you know what teams could could maybe compete at the end of the season but I mean I think when we look at this particular matchup I think the pitching matchup for me is, is the intriguing one right at the top because for me, Houston have to get excellent starting pitching out of the top part of their rotation. And if they don't get that, I think they really are in a lot of trouble right from the get-go. Yeah, the bullpen's not as deep as the Dodgers, and it's more tired than the Dodgers. Even with the rest, they've been really slagging that pen. And, and they haven't. you can tell that they haven't been super confident in the pen because since... since uh, they lost that, that big lead in, what was it, game three, game four? They, A.J. Hinch was almost not even touching the bullpen after that. You got you know a lot of Lance McCullers, even after a large lead. They didn't take out Verlander until the lead was larger. Uh, they didn't trust the bullpen with three-run leads, essentially, the last few games. Uh, so I, I do think that that, it, that the Astros need that the top of that rotation to come through, which is how it's worked out, because Justin Verlander's been amazing this postseason. Yeah, I mean, Verland has been excellent, and then um, Dennis Keuchel is is another one that he's going to have to perform in this postseason. And if them two can get going and really find a groove, the Dodgers really could have some problems. But I think the Dodgers will try and see if they can try and get into the Houston bullpen, and maybe the overuse of the starting pitching earlier in the playoffs could come back to haunt Houston. Because if you look, if you look at the games the Dodgers played, uh, and I did pick Dodgers Astros, I did get who they were going over in the NLCS and ALCS wrong. I had the Astros over the Indians and the Dodgers over the Nationals. 
Uh, but I did get the, the Astros and Dodgers, which makes me happy because, you know, you just want to be right, even if it's something <laughs> stupid and small. But but to get back to the subject, uh, the Dodgers, they got to they, they played their games very conventionally because they didn't really have it wasn't really as stressful for them as say it was for some of the other teams that went to the playoffs. They didn't have these games where they had to burn, you know, nine pictures and have two of their starters come back and throw a ton of innings. They pretty much had their set rotation going into the playoffs Used that set rotation, and except for the loss of Corey Seager, everything you know pretty much went as it was supposed to. So uh, the Dodgers, I mean, everybody is—I think that they're in good shape uh, for uh, having another series, and I'm in better shape than the Astros are. But you know, seven games, anything can happen. Yeah, as you say, as you say, I mean, it'd be interesting to see like how far this series actually goes. I mean, I must admit, I don't don't necessarily have it going seven games, but. I think that's more down to the fact that I don't know if Houston can get anything else out of their starting pitching than than their top two. And even then, I don't actually think they can carry the team completely, which is going to be what they're going to need to do. Again, you've got the situation here. I mean, I think you know a lot of people are looking to see what, what sort of Clayton Kershaw we're going to get in the World Series. We know he's had his struggles previously in the postseason. Have you got any concerns around Kershaw? Uh, I don't. I think he'll be fine. I mean, he he hasn't been. He hasn't had that. Still hasn't had that sterling start in the playoffs yet. Uh, well, he, but he like you know at the level Verlander had. But I still believe in Kershaw. Uh, his back is fine, and you could look at it and say, hey, he's he has fewer innings in his arm than some of the other guys are, mm-hmm. thanks to his his kind of midseason vacation, if you can call it a vacation, kind of like your vacation from podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, but like, yeah, a couple of weeks just kind of like just taking a bit of a break and and trying to uh, you know rest a wrist and try not to do anything with it. Yeah, that 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 kind of vacation. That's that, that's what yeah, that is. Uh, but I mean, anything can happen. I remember, uh, as usual, most most postseason they get in stupid arguments on Twitter from people who are mad at me. And one person was like, "Experience matters in the playoffs. That's why Verlander was good and Morton wasn't." And this was after Morton's first start. And, like, that's the only reason you could think why Justin Verlander would pitch better than Charlie Morton because he has more playoff experience. <laughs> that's that's all, all, all you can think of. But uh, So there's a lot of, you know, storylines and everything. But I think it'll, it, it's just going to come down to what happens in the field. And really, I gave it a very even projection in, in from, the, from Zips and everything. Uh, pretty close to a coin flip. Uh, I, I'm taking the Dodgers. But, you know, I wouldn't be the least bit shocked if the... If the Dodgers, I mean the Astros, won. Uh, I mean the way baseball is, you could you could put the Padres in against uh, the Dodgers in some sort of weird NL World Series, and the Padres would probably lose, but they still have a decent chance of winning more than say the worst team in the NBA or the worst team in the NFL in the Super Bowl. Uh, so you know, I always say baseball going to baseball. Yeah, I, I, again, I think it's going to be interesting from that point of view, like how far this series does go. Um, I will give my prediction in a second. Which of the two lineups for you, though, scares the opposition the most? Uh, I, I do think that the Astros lineup is a little scarier, uh, especially with the questions about Corey Seager being 100%. Uh, because even though he's back and he's healthy enough to play in game one, you don't really know if he's going to be a 100%. And the Astros, they bludgeoned, you know, the league. They had an 820-something OPS this year, first in the AL in runs scored, uh, you know, second in home runs from top to bottom. Uh, they, you know, they had 
Carlos Correa would have been an MVP candidate if he had a whole season. They have a middle infielder who had nearly 1,000 OPS. Uh, Bregman was terrific. Springer, Reddick, uh, they got offense everywhere. It, it, it is a very scary lineup, uh, especially because they're not going to have to really fill the DH role in, in at, at four of the games at most, so they don't have to worry about because arguably the Dodgers, even without playing at DH, might actually have the better DH candidate than the than the Astros do. Uh, but I, I think the Astros lineup is better overall. How much of a blow would it be if, if Corey Seager isn't 100%? I mean, we know he's not, but what I mean by that is he isn't able to really contribute for the Dodgers. I mean, it is a blow. I mean, people will be like, because I, I wrote before the, um, the uh, NLCS that in the projections that the Dodgers lost about six percentage points in the projections just by having Corey Seager out of the lineup. And, of course, people came back and said, well, see, they didn't miss him at all. It's like, no, that's not how probability works. You did not predict Charlie Culberson was going to have 1,000 OPS in the NLCS because that, that projection would have been ludicrous, even though it did, in fact, happen. But the fact is that the odds are that you lose Corey Seager. Uh, every game you have him not playing 100% or you have Charlie Culberson playing, you're losing a percentage point or two in your playoff probability. That's just how it is because, you know, better players overall are going to do better in the long run than lesser players are. Uh, I mean, obviously the results are quite volatile when you're talking a short series, which is why I say baseball is going to baseball. But it is a blow to the Dodgers, even if they survived, him all, survived it already. Uh, you, you look at the Angels and Mike Trout, people were always like, well, we were really without him. Like, no, they still would have been better with him. That's not how it works. <laughs> you can hear the frustration in my voice because that's another argument I had to, had to deal with. Trout couldn't be that important. They still had a winning record without him. Like, no, 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 stop. All that. How many times do you sit there and go, no, I'm just going to let it go? I, 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 that is a personality problem with me. <laughs> I have trouble letting arguments go and just ignoring arguments. I always have to have the last word, and it's a terrible personality flaw in this context. I mean... For someone who's doing analysis and, and writing in media, I mean, that's a, it's a good trait in some ways, but it's a bad trait in some other ways. Yeah. Uh, I always have to, you know, get a little snark in or a little biting response at least. I can't just see something really stupid addressed to me and then just say, no, Dan, I'm going to let this flow over me like water. <laughs> I, I, I'm not I very the, chill. <laughs> yeah, I, I know the feeling as well, though. It, it's... I kind of have to do this way. If I want to ram home a point, I will do it. And I know full well that, you know, some things are going to come back to bite me in the backside, but it's, I I will say my honest opinion about everything right or wrong. You know, it's, it is what it is. It is just my opinion. I'm not going to be right all the time, but like people just don't remember when you're, when you're right, they'll more pick up on the things you got wrong or, and then present arguments against it and stuff like that. And it's all, it is all crazy stuff, but, I tell you something else going into this World Series is that both these teams seem as though that they love playing in their home ballpark. I don't necessarily the same as you. Don't think that you know, home advantage is as much a big of a, a deal as it in, is in other sports. But it is quite interesting how the Dodgers and the Astros are pretty much unbeatable at home. Yeah, they're they're good teams. They like baseball. I'm not. I'm still not thinking they have a huge home field advantage, but. 
you know, this is going to be a fun World Series either way. I mean, you look at it, it's two teams that are very well run. They're very modern design teams. Uh, and, you know, winning 100 games is a good way to have clubhouse unity. Hmm. Uh, so I, I am looking forward to this. I, I would be happy with either team winning personally. I mean, you either had the Astros winning their first ever or the Dodgers winning for the first time in uh, 29 years now. So it's not like, you know, some of those Yankees appearances and say 10 years ago after they had already won, you know, plenty of World Series. I mean, the Red Sox broke the curse, but they're not exciting to win a World Series right now because they've won three in just over a decade. Uh, but these teams, either one wins just like last year. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, I I think if I was to say which team I'd like to see win, I think it would be the Astros. I kind of always had um, a soft spot for them um, in the time I've been watching baseball. And again, maybe it does go back to like 86 and the Mets-Astros National League Championship Series. But I was always a big fan of of Jeff Bagwell, of, of Craig Biggio. Those guys for me were at Houston right into the very core of them. So it was a shame that that, that team didn't win a world championship and I think it'd be kind of nice to see this team win a world championship now but I don't have anything against the Dodgers I think you know this is a team that is very much been built to win and certainly wouldn't begrudge them if they do win and again it is a national league team and I sometimes find it hard to root against a national team because I am a national league guy uh I mean what it comes down to is that when you're uh when I'm an analyst, as also a journalist, I have a lot of personal connections with people in front offices now. Uh, so it's just on a personal level with, with like the Astros. I, I, I want that. I like the Astros. I'd be cool if they won either team. But I also really want to see Kevin Goldstein get a World Series ring. I want to see Colin Wires get a World Series ring. It's, it's just human because, you know, you, you forge, you know, relationships, acquaintances with people. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to see those people do well. Uh, so I, I, I'd be very happy to see those guys get rings. No, uh, I, I, I know it's uh, the same with uh, the Red Sox and Vorish McCracken, because uh, him and I we go way back twenty years now, mm-hmm. and I, I'm still annoyed he didn't get a ring. They gave him a watch. <laughs> they gave like everybody in the organization a ring except like him. He gets a watch. And I'm still mad about that. It, that doesn't make sense at all. It it should be a ring, but I, I get what you're saying because some of the obviously again, I mean, you know, in the same uh, business as you, and you do make friendships, acquaintances, or whatever else al- along the way, and you want people to do, you want people within organisations to do well because you know you've, you forge that friendship al- along those lines, and I think it, it, it does work that way. Um, I think it's going to be a tremendous World Series. I do think the Dodgers are going to win it, but I'm going to take the Dodgers in six. Yeah, I, I hope it's a good one because we keep talking about how great it is, and then we don't know if it's going to be one of those real snoozers because we, we've had some good ones lately, yeah. but if, if you think back, there, there's some pretty bad ones that you forget about. Uh, like, like you think about you know when the Padres were involved. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to even think what year it is. That was, was, was 1998. Uh, was it 1998? I think it was '98, but that was yeah. that was a terrible World Series. There have been some terrible ones. They're always a letdown because you instinctively compare every World Series you see to your favorite ones of all time. I, uh, I completely so, agree. I mean, I mean, some of my favorite ones um, down the years, obviously, like I mean, '86 is a personal favorite. But then the, some of the ones that followed that were were really disappointing. I mean, '88 was apart from Gibson's home run. To be fair 
that was a very disappointing World Series. Um, 89 yeah. was a disappointing World Series because it was just a mismatch. 90 was the surprise Reds. But then 1991 for me was a great World Series. The Twins and the Braves, that was a tremendous World Series, all the way down to Game 7 and the extra inning game. But it is like that. It is very much like a bit of half and half, good World Series and really not so good ones as well. Because you you look back at some of them and you remember some of the great ones. Then you look at some of them and you think, you know, I have no memory of anything that happened in that World Series. Like I was thinking right now about 2007. That was when the Red Sox swept the Rockies. I was just thinking, just thinking, searching my memory banks, and I don't have a single memory of that World right. Series, of anything happening. <laughs> just like, what happened? I, all I remember is they won four games. I have no additional information in my, in my memory. No, that's exactly the same as me. I mean, I, I was struggling with what you said about the Padres, and it was 98. So I think it was the, the Braves again in, in 99. And I, I vaguely remember those sort of years, the Yankees being successful, but... I struggle to remember those World Series. I mean, I remember 97 with the Indians and the Marlins because that was a tremendous World Series. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, but that's I mean, sandwich between... You can remember, all the, you can remember that, 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 that Game 7 and he, you don't remember anything about this bad World Series. So, yeah, Dan and myself kind of hope that we're going to get a World Series to remember and it isn't a four-game sweep that we really want to instantly forget or certainly even maybe in a couple of years' times we can't actually remember anything about that World Series. So you're taking the Dodgers. How many games are you going to take the Dodgers in? Well, didn't we discuss this? I always take the maximum number of games. <laughs> so seven. You're still going for the, the maximum number of games. I, 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 yeah, if, if Bud Selig was commissioner, I'd just take, uh, I'd say, a seven-game tie. <laughs> because, you know, they're out of pictures, so he just calls a tie and declares everybody a winner. We don't have that, Dan. We, 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 we got rid of ties, and that's what led to problems. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go you, on an all-star game rant. Not on World Series. You, yeah, I think we've done that before, too. But just imagine how awful it would be if they called a tie in the World Series. <laughs> so are we paying a tiebreaker? No. Season's over. It's November. Yeah. Like, what? It, it, that might be actually like the, the, the season must actually finish in October. You know, who'd have thought that we were actually going to have like November baseball is actually now a thing. Yeah, well, I, I don't mind at all. As I say, in, in the United States, uh, November 1st, the average temperature is actually warmer than April 5th. So it's not really that weird, uh, at least you know, in, in, a lot of the, in a lot of the cities. It's only like 20 of, 20 of the cities it's warmer on in November 1st. Uh, yeah. But uh, I am happy. I don't know. Did you ever watch Star Trek Deep Space Nine? I'm not. You're talking to the wrong part of my partnership. My wife is the Trekkie. I'm. I'm not the Trekkie. Well, what? What? One of the storylines in there is that the that the head of the show, uh, he was a big baseball fan, and there were a lot of episodes which talked about baseball dying mm. in the early 21st century, uh, and he had his favorite player was his player for Japan named Buck Bokai, and he talked about you know how in Buck Bokai's final season, like 2035. There were only like 200 people for the World Series. Uh, but we're already up to 2017. And baseball is still, it has, has retained its popularity. And it, it hasn't failed like in Deep Space Nine. So I am happy about that. I don't remember what the point of that was. And I think there was one. But <laughs> it's just, I, I get on tangent sometimes. And I don't, I don't even know how I get there. But uh, speaking, I like baseball. Speaking <laughs> of like, um, you know, popularity of baseball and it, 
I, before I let you go, Dan, I just want to kind of cover off this one because there's obviously a lot of talk at the moment about potential expansion and and realignment. And I think the one thing that's kind of irked me about any of this realignment talk is around the fact of potentially getting rid of the American League and the National League. And I think Ugh. I don't think I can cope with that. Ugh. I just I can I can take expansion as you know as a general theory. Yeah, thirty-two teams is fine. But I don't like what, what the numbers of 32 make them do. And I'm worried about four-team divisions because four-team divisions are boring as hell. Yeah. Uh, you're, like, you're like probability-ing. I don't know. That's not a word, but I'm just going to say it. You're probability-ing out you know, divisional races. And the regular season is more important in baseball than other sports. And I don't think you can really cheapen it further by you know making – because when we had those four team division, uh, the when the ALS had the four teams, yeah. we very rarely got a race. That was always the boring division. Yeah. If they kept it the same and we just had you know a couple six team divisions, that would be cool. And then I'd be like, yeah, thirty two teams. But I'm worried that we're going to get, you know, eight four team divisions, eight wild cards that play in, or or some bizarre concept yeah. and and you know cheapen the regular season further it's gonna be I, i'm just waiting for it so for anyone who's ever seen the um the movie basketball um there's a section on the start of that movie where they basically have this like massive wall chart of um all the teams and they go on about how such and such plays such and such as a playing game for such and such when they'll then play there and then there and then there and there. And I can see that's where we're going. I can literally see it. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's good for baseball because, you know, baseball's model is based on selling a home team to get fans out 81 games a year. Yeah. And that's hard to do if the season isn't important. The season isn't that important in football, but you only need to fill the stands eight times a year. Uh, in, in the regular season. And you could do that because by making a football game an event. But a baseball game in itself is not an event. The, the race itself is the event. The, the divisional race is like a player in the whole thing, like, like an anthropomorphic abstract concept of com- competitive play. Uh, and I think that cheapens the spirit of baseball. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that isn't what happens, although I'm, I tend to be optimistic about everything. Excuse me pessimistic about everything so <laughs> i'm certainly not optimistic about everything uh that people would say no no dan you're, you're lying i'd be like yeah i'm lying yeah, i'm not optimistic yeah. yeah it's kind of like how i am but you know if if they want to take on you know myself and dan to kind of try and sort this whole expansion uh realignment and everything else on i think that would be a a, a damn good idea but i think now Let's look forward to the World Series. It's not that far away now, and I think it's going to be, as we both said, a tremendous World Series. But that just about wraps up tonight's episode. I'd like to thank Dan, as always, for joining me on the Balls, Bats and Putts podcast. You can find all the links for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. in the notes of the episode. But where can they find all your wonderful stuff, Dan? Ah, the shtick segment. Uh, you can find my work at ESPN.com I do chats and projections over at Fangraphs.com and you can find me at DZimborski on Twitter that's D-S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I if you spell it wrong which is likely because my editor still sometimes does that the Google man will fix it for you 
hopefully the Google man will fix it for you. No, but... the Google man knows the Zimborski misspellings. <laughs> because if I'm typing, I will, if I'm typing quickly, because I, I type very fast. I type 120 words a minute, uh, which I mean, it's not elite, but it's, it's pretty fast. Pretty and cool. I'll sometimes typo my own last name. Uh, so if I don't do it 100%, I can't expect everybody else to. That would be unreasonable. Do you know, that's the thing at the moment. That's probably my most frustrating thing is because I am, I'm right-handed, but I, I taught myself to type, and I'm a, I'm a pretty decent um, typist, is the fact that now I'm basically relegated to like one-finger typing and just constantly misspelling everything because I swear my brain can't actually get used to the fact that I'm not using all of my digits to type. I think that's my biggest frustration, and I'll be having a word with my surgeon about that tomorrow. Um, in respect of getting out of this plaster that's been handcuffing me for the last 14 days. Um, but at least it, it allows me to sit there and I've watched a hell of a lot of playoff baseball because I haven't been able to sleep anyway and it's been a lot of fun. But enough of my ranting, enough about my injury. It is time for the World Series. So for now, I have been your host, Stephen Edwards. You can find me on Twitter at TalkSportsStephen. You can find the podcast at Balls, Bats, Parks. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app. All the details will be in the episode notes. And also, don't forget to check out my new NWHL podcast endorsed by the NWHLPA at WH Digest, which launches on the 24th of October. And you can find my NBA analysis on at SportsHeadsTV. But until next time, it's a good night for me.